This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Widow Podcast. Today we have a lovely lady joining us to have what promises to be a wonderful conversation, Alex Vitillo. Alex is a leading shamanic priestess for wealth and well-being. Alex was widowed herself in 2016 and has two children, two young children, now 14 and 11, I do believe, yes. Um, But when your husband, Daniel, died, they were four and six, so so young. So welcome, welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Karen, for having me here. Very honoured to be here sharing space with you and the other widows. Bless you. Thank you, darling. So let's let's kind of start at the beginning, I suppose, um, going back to, to, to 2016, just telling us a, a little bit briefly about Daniel and, and how he died. So Daniel died of brain tumor. It wasn't unexpected, but somehow you never prepared. Daniel carried his illness for almost five years and we found out he was diagnosed with brain tumor when I was pregnant with Isabella. And they gave him very little time at the time of the diagnosis, but I believe that our little angel in my belly really did a miracle. And Daniel was so adamant that he wanted to meet his new baby that he fought like a lion. And the six months diagnosis turned into a year, into two years, to three years, And, you know, we were approaching that five-year marks where things were going well and people were saying, oh, my God, you know, a miracle happened. I believe in miracle. I thought a miracle was happening. And then all of a sudden, just before the five-year marks, he went downhill and left. So it was still unexpected in a sense that we were believing in that miracle and it didn't happen. And that was what got me to Mm. this club that nobody wants to join. So hard, so hard. It's it's difficult, isn't it? And I always say, you, you know, I think even if you know your person's going to die, I don't think anything prepares you for that moment when they do die and you are thrown into this this world that you don't recognize, that you don't understand. It's It's incredibly hard to navigate it all, isn't it? And to understand what's happening to you inside and outside because it everything shifts doesn't it everything changes everything feels different and looks different and and everything feels big and and scary how did you i guess get through that that you know those really raw early days that first 6 months did did you sort of reach out for a lot of support in that time i did uh, so i'm in italy in london i don't have family around me so it was me and and the two young kids when Daniel passed, I reached out to our parish priest and I said, I cannot tell them, please come and tell them with me. And and so it was a beautiful, I remember we were around the table in the kitchen and he started to explain how that's heaven and daddy was now in heaven. 
So that was already for me a big support to to have somebody there just to explain to these two little angels that daddy was no longer around. And then from there, I kept reaching for support. Daniel Pasta, the Marie Curie. The Marie Curie is the most fabulous, fabulous organizations in my eyes because they supported us between, during, and after. And I just needed to talk. I needed to talk to, I said, every, everyone about the weather, about what I ate for lunch. About I just had to keep myself busy with seeming less, you know, conversation that meant nothing, nothing, but I wanted to have people around me and just to talk. Um, so yes, mm-hmm. I did reach out for counseling. I took the kids to counseling. I couldn't do it on my own. And I don't think anybody should do it on their own. I think you're right. And I think, I don't think we can. I think it's it's through our connections with others. It's through communities, friends, family, whatever it is that you've got around you. That's the, the place often, I think, where our healing resides. I think, I don't think it, it's possible to heal in isolation. I, I think that makes it really hard for us. You know, I really do believe that together we are stronger and, and people will find that strength in different ways. You, you know, for some, it will be in friendships, some will be in, in support groups, family, therapists, whatever that is, you, you know, some people go off on adventures with, with people they've never met before and, and do amazing things. It, it's not a one size fits all, is it? But I think you're right. I think I, I wholeheartedly agree. We need other people. As much as our healing is our own responsibility, we have to find our own way and it's unique for all of us. We need others to to help us discover what it is that, that's going to to take us forward, I suppose, and, and, and find our way through it. Has your, you've kind of touched on your faith a little bit there. I, I'm assuming that's been a, a huge support to you throughout your grief. I mean, your life probably, but your, your grief definitely. It has. And again, in terms of community. So it was a safe space for me to just show up at church and to meet people that I knew nothing about, but that you, we would have an exchange then I found out that one of the priests had lost his wife. That's how he became a priest. So he was holding circles. And so again, it's this feeling supported in different ways, just by even going and spend one hour with people that have been in that experience, that have been feeling lonely and lost and all of those things where you don't have to put a mask on and you could say, I'm totally lost. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to my kids. I don't know how to this, this or that. Um, but I also do think that the deep healing is done with a therapist or a counselor or, or some kind of healer professional because friends and family, you know, they guide you from what they think it's good for you. And maybe sometimes you need to be confronted with harsher realities that only a healer could take you through in a safe, safe way. Mm. And, and, you know, I love what you say there. It is that that safe space, isn't it, um, that we all need to find where we can feel seen, heard, 
and understood because you'll say it there perfectly that the masks that we wear um, around other people and we do you know there's a there's a pretense and we become quite good actors and actresses don't we in in terms of people sort of saying how are you doing it's like yeah I'm okay and and you're not you're completely lost you don't understand what's happening what you're feeling how to support your children that, that there's a lot of complexities in there isn't it and, and to be able to sit in a space and go I feel really alone and and vulnerable in this and and somebody to hold that space for you I think is amazing so obviously you've been on a on, on a journey since Daniel died but can you just sort of tell us a little bit about who you were before Daniel died, what you did, the type of person that you were and, and, and how you lived? Yeah, so I think like many other people, th- this was a turning point in my life and there is <laughs> there is really a separation between Alex before widowhood and Alex after widowhood. And before widowhood, I was this very traditional person, this very, I was employed, I, I come from a strong background where... I think I'm going to say the patriarchy was the way of doing life. So my dad, very successful. I always admired him. He, you know, kind of told me which way I should have gone in business. And I, and I did that. And then I had successful boyfriends and then I had my husband, which was very successful. So there was that part of me that was, yes, educated and a good job, but I always put the man somewhere higher. And I, only realized it after. And to me, that's a very big transformation because I I was this, I want to say, very shy woman always behind the man that to me, the men were always amazing. And I was step behind in everything that I was doing. So even with my children, Daniel would decide of the school or he would decide where we would go on holiday or he would decide, you know, every decision was basically made by him. And then when that man was no longer there, it, it was truly shocking for me to even think, how, how do I do that? How can I be that person? And it was a journey of leadership, personal leadership, personal sovereignty, personal discovery. And people told me, you're such a strong woman. And I thought, oh my God, I've pretended to be shy and insignificant all my life doing what other people told me. Like I said, first my dad, then in the corporate world, you do what you're told. You know, you show up for work, you do what you're told. And and pretty much in my marriage as well, not because he was imposing himself, but because I was giving him that power. And that was a long journey of self-discovery. So that's the main, main transformation. And that's also what makes me passionate now to support people to say, find that leader in you, find that courage in you, find that rebel in you now without waiting that something goes wrong. Because I had to learn a lot of things. I needed to learn how to be a mom, a dad, a leader. (laughs) I needed to reinvent myself. I didn't want to work for the corporates anymore. I didn't want to be told what to do anymore. I wanted to have my own timings. I wanted to do what I loved. It turned out wasn't finance. (laughs) It definitely wasn't finance. (laughs) And it was a lot, a lot. And I wish somebody came to me at the time and said, Alex, there's so much more in you than to be that shy, you know, person just saying yes to other people. How did you start that process? You know, we talk about life after loss and the the changes that we face and and navigate in that time 
but it takes a long time, doesn't it? It takes it takes a long time. So when did you first kind of start to notice these different kind of thoughts and feelings and recognizing those parts of you? And then how did you, I guess, start to explore who you were and what you were capable of? Was there something that you did specifically or were there just small steps along the way that helped you realize? It was a long journey. It, it didn't happen straight away. Like I said, at the beginning, I was really overwhelmed and thinking, I don't know how to do this. I really don't know how to do this. What am I going to do? But the one thing that I knew is I wanted to be there for my children. And therefore, being employed and working in an investment banking environment wasn't possible. I couldn't leave at six o'clock in the morning, come back at 10 o'clock at night, pressure, pressure, pressure. And I really had this clear of, I said to myself, my kids lost their dad. I don't want them to feel they're losing their mom because one day they're going to realize even if they're four and six, not now, but maybe when they turn 13, they might turn around and say, mom, you weren't there for us. So that I knew I really didn't want. And I let that be the the inspiration, the motivation. I took time for myself. I'm, you know, my title say wealth and well-being. I really appreciated the wealth to give me the freedom to take a step back and say, what do I do? I didn't need to rush and work. So I took that time, that pause to to really reflect and see what was coming up. And I'm a strong believer in the angels and synchronicities and the universe. And little by little, I discovered that meditation worked for me in order to kill me calm. And from there, I decided, well, maybe I can set up my own business, which for me, again, was like, who would have thought so? I used to tell my husband, why do you have your own business? It's so much trouble. <laughs> Just go and be employed. <laughs> so but again, that was, you know, an incredible, incredible step for me. And from there, I started my learning and reinventing myself as a meditation teacher, a coach, and that really brought so much healing, so much healing for me while I was training to become something else. And the journey never stopped. And I think every day I discover a new piece of the equation, a new things, a new passion, a new strength. And it's the forever journey, but at least... Now I feel I'm on a more balanced place and, and I have so many tools to navigate the, <laughs> the tides that I didn't have before. I love that. Did you did you have those beliefs? You kind of said there that you believe in, in the universe and angels. And has that always been there or is that something that you've noticed within you since Daniel died? I always said that. I was one of those kids that had very strong premonition. I had very strong dreamings. I was always questioning my dreamings. And I always never paid attention to it, really. So in a sense, when this happened, it's like all all of those things from childhood made sense. And I rediscovered some really strong psychic gifts and healing gifts that nobody told me I had. Again, I wish somebody came to me and said, look, Alex, there's something here that you need to explore. And I said, I had to come out of the spiritual closet because I was really hiding, 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 hiding. Again, thinking "Mm, it's not safe to be seen. It's not safe to share more of who you are. And that took a while. (laughs) That took a while. I bet. Yeah. To find that 
that inner confidence to be who you are at your core, you know, what you truly believe in. What was the reaction from sort of friends and family, people around you that had known you a long time um, and had known you in your, your life before Daniel had died and, and now watching you go through th- this, this journey and uncovering these parts of you that maybe were there before, but you were hiding a little bit. How, how did that land with them? Lost many people. Uh, it is true, you know, in, in the spiritual realm, we'll always say <laughs> when you up level or when you change, you, you drop people along the way. That's 100% true. And I think the one who stayed were quite surprised by the transformation because they were not used to hear me speak, see me speak, um, have opinions most likely. So a bit shocking. Yeah, definitely they were surprised. And part of it was to recreate a network, recreate and find what I call my tribe, you know, people that understand the experience, some people that want to go through that experience, that feel, oh, I don't have the courage myself. And I say, you don't have to have courage yourself. This is where people like me, like you, Karen, this is what we're here for because we've lived it and we don't want other people to live it. And mm-hmm. I don't want people to have to really reach rock bottom. Like I said, if somebody told me how to be a leader in my life before this happened, it would have been a lot easier rather than figure everything out, motherhood, parenthood on my own and decision-making and business-making. It was just a bit too much. I always think, though, don't you, that sometimes we discover these parts of ourselves maybe when we're ready to to acknowledge them. Um, I think, yes, I think, I think these, these parts of us that we discover – in our grief. They're not new, are they? I think they've, they've always been there. We've just never had to maybe call on, on these parts before or, or utilize them in some way. But, you know, I think had people maybe pushed that before we were maybe ready or open to it, it may not have worked out in quite the right way, but it's, it can be frustrating because you think, if I don't, if I'd only I'd known this or realized yes. this before, so much yes. would have felt so much more possible for me and and so much easier. But you know, I guess we have to take the the learnings where we can. And and I love what you say there about finding your tribe because I speak to so many people that have these challenges along the way with their relationships with the people that they have around them, not necessarily understanding their growth, their changes and the shifts that you experience in, in widowhood, which are huge, aren't they? They are so huge. And that can make people feel quite uncomfortable for, for many reasons. And people do back off and they, they do pull away and they're uncomfortable around grief and loss and all of that kind of stuff. But there are people out there, there are people out there that will support you, that will understand, that will get it. And, and if you don't feel like you have those people around you now, go find them. Like they're not just going to fall in your lap, sadly, but they are. there are people out there. And I think I love that you found people that were on a similar path to you, maybe, or, or understood the path that you were on. And you could go in and share that journey with them because that's really powerful in itself, isn't it? And then you you build new relationships, don't you? And and not all relationships are here to stay forever. I think that's quite hard for us to to get our head around sometimes. When when we're going through these 
challenges. When we are starting to understand on our journey that we are different, that we feel different, that what used to feel good for us doesn't necessarily so much anymore, that the things that we used to do don't give us the same feelings that they used to, that we are really quite literally viewing the world through a completely different lens and and we experience it in, in a completely different way. How do we tap in to our instincts? Because I think I think we lose a lot of confidence, don't we? And and as you say, you didn't sort of have that confidence anyway beforehand. You relied on other people to kind of guide you. How do you think we can tap into that inner knowing and discover what feels right for us, like trusting our gut instinct, but also following it and, and allowing it to guide us, having that confidence that it's guiding us in the right direction? To me, it's a combination. So stillness definitely helps. I blocking down the noise. So find whatever works for you. For me, it was meditation. For you, it might be a walk with your dogs or it could be talking to your cats, whatever that is. But find a tool that gives you stillness, peace of mind, I want to say, and ask yourself questions. You got to have that courage to ask yourself questions. And do some training. I did gazillion training. I'm a psychic and still I did gazillion training. So waking my intuition, divination. Again, find something that works for you that are going to put you in a relationship with a mentor or a group of people that are there for the same motivation. I, you know, do I want to be a medium maybe? Do I want to start to uh, learn into tea leaves? Whatever that is, there are tools that are really going to enhance that inner knowing because we are, I feel oftentimes we're taught that we have all the answers and yet I feel, again, why spend maybe a year working on finding how you process and analyze and how your guts are speaking to you when somebody can show you in three months and there, you know, you also have someone else to bounce back and to really test it because... In the world that we live in, we're so conditioned that sometimes we think it's our guts and our intuition, and it's not. It might be someone else's voices, someone else's experience, someone else's, you know, manipulating your ideas. It's very easy these days to be confused and to be manipulated again in the large sense of by things that we see, we hear on a subconscious level. Every day we're bombarded on Mm. a subconscious level and we're going to (laughs) think that's our intuition. It's not. Yeah, it's very true. You know, I think that there's so much that forms our our feelings and our, our thoughts actually within us subconsciously. And we're not always maybe recognizant of of that and being able to tap into to our own thoughts and feelings and and what is truly ours and I and I love how you say there about ask yourself the questions and and I think it takes a lot of courage and I I you know I talk about this a lot especially in my my 12 month program finding hoping widowhood and we ask a lot of questions in that program and not only is it hard to think about the answers to these questions um because it's a different way of thinking but it's also hard to be honest about the answers to these questions, because it's in the answers that I think we often recognize there's some changes that need to be made. And making changes is incredibly scary because the brain likes what it knows, right? You know, it's even if it's not serving you, it, it 
it knows where it's at. It's that familiar space and it, and it wants to, to stay there and to, to ask yourself these, these bigger questions and acknowledge the honest answers, I think can be, can be really difficult. You say about stillness and, and slowing down. And I think that's so important because we don't give ourselves that time and space often to really think about us. Is there anything else that you can just give the, the listeners that might help them, even if it's a question or a, a, a little bit of guidance around how they can tap into themselves? Sure. So I call it the law of three and it's very practical. So let's say you have a, a question, shall I quit my job? Yes or no? And start my own business. And for me, the law of trees, again, ask yourself that question and you can write it down and watch within the next seven days, what kind of conversations you have with people. Maybe you see an advert of somebody flashing on your computer that says, start your own business. Or you see an advert that says, again, work with me and I'll show you how to develop this new skill. If you got the same direction three times, to me, this is a sign that you need to go start your own business. Equally, if you say, shall I be employed or start my own business? And you start to see advert for a company employing or something again, that keeps you connected to the corporate world, just pay attention. And that could be a very easy way for you to navigate and to consciously again be aware are this message an answer to my question you need stillness you need to pay attention to the conversation and that goes from what's flashing on the bus you know or what's coming on the facebook ads or what's a friend is saying what's the song is singing it's fun it's fun make that intention and the universe will speak to you three times and i say if you hear it three times just go for it <laughs> I love that because actually it kind of encourages encourages us to be more present as well, doesn't it? And and to really notice what's going on in the here and now, which often we're not. We're, we're not paying attention. We are busy in the past or the future. And it's rare that we're really kind of paying attention to, right, what's going on? What's going on here and now? What is happening around me? What are the adverts on the radio or the telly? What are the conversations I'm hearing? What music is playing in the background? What little messages am I getting? And I know this might sound a bit woo-woo to some people, but I really do. And I think the more I've, I've kind of seen this and experienced it for myself, the more I, I kind of do trust, I think, in the universe to, to guide you in, in some way. But it is allowing yourself to be more present in the moment, which I think is really hard to do, actually, when you're grieving, because we don't want the reality that we find ourselves in. So we, we distract ourselves a lot. But that's a great way of thinking to ask yourself the big question, to throw it out into the universe and, and see what, what comes and, and see what in what way that might guide you. I think that's a great tip. Thank great you. tip, Alex. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. So, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken recently on a podcast about how when we grieve, when we lose a life partner specifically, it's like, it's almost like a rebirth, and it's like we are thrown, we are, well, so we are born into a world where we are effectively starting again. We've really peeled back 
all the layers of life. Things that used to matter, that used to be important, no longer do, do they? It's, it's almost like you're stripped bare, you're vulnerable, you're naked, you're exposed. You don't know how to communicate. You feel like you don't know how to, to walk even. And, and the basics of, of life just become your survival, I suppose, in, to- in terms of you know love, food, sleep, maybe getting out in, in nature and what have you. And as time passes, as we navigate our, our grieving journey, it's, it's like we, I believe, get to choose what layers we want to add back to our life. What things do we want to continue with? What still feels good to us? And, and it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a reinvention, isn't it? Um, of of who we are because everything is so different, and reinventing ourselves and and our life without our person beside us can feel really quite scary and daunting and overwhelming because there's so much there's so much to think about. But I think it's important because I think I think for a lot of us it can sometimes feel easier just to continue being and doing all the things that you were before your person died, actually you start to feel very disconnected from those things and from life and from yourself because it's not working for you anymore and trying to figure out what works for you. Now, I always say that half the time, I think you've just got to try new things to see what fits and what doesn't because we don't often know until we try but how did you navigate that that reinvention of of yourself? I, I know you've kind of done some courses and and things, but was it a bit of trial and error along the way of of thinking what is it I want and this is where I'm sort of drawn to, but I don't know if it's going to work, so I'm just going to give it a go anyway. Well, I think the power of reinvention is something that everybody should keep in mind. Widow, don't widow, you know, in life. It's always going to serve you to reinvent yourself in a sense of discover new part of yourself. And that includes new talents, new skills, a new mission. Maybe every now and then you, you can really add to your life and the life of people around you. And for me, it was primarily what I didn't want to. I knew I didn't want to leave my kids. I knew I, didn't, I couldn't be employed. Therefore, what do I do? Having my own business, even though it seems miles away from me, <laughs> it was the one way that I could then be there for my kids and I could do something that I really love. How did I find out what I really loved? For me, again, it was a conversation with the universe. It was show me. And the things that happened for me, it, it, three times here, three times there, I just launched into that thinking, worst case scenario, I'm not going to like it. I'm going to do something else. But I feel what's really, really, really important when you lose a partner is to give yourself permission to find your passion, find something that lights you up and to know it's okay to be lit up by something that doesn't involve that person anymore. You don't have to carry that guilt of, I cannot go travel maybe because we used to do it together or I cannot go and dance my socks off because I'm a widow and therefore, you know, it's going to be thrown upon. I cannot allow myself to go and share about some personal details because, because, because. So I think once we tell ourselves it's okay to be happy again and excited and lively, there's so much weight that just drop off and then you can start your new life. 
And you have to admit that your new life, it's never going to be like the life before. And that's okay. And that's okay. If you believe you came here with the mission, just think that you agreed to it. If you don't believe in it, just say you've got the courage and find those people that will be there for you to support your passion, to support whatever it is that you want to do without feeling judged. That for me was the biggest, biggest, you know, like fight, like letting go of if people judge me, they're not my people. Yeah. It, you know, I, I often say this in in my communities, you know, those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. Oh, and and it's, it's so true. It is so true. It's hard to let go of. I think that that fear of judgment from others about how you are grieving. Mm-hmm. Also that guilt that we feel around rebuilding a life that can feel good again without our person. There's, there's a lot attached to that in terms of, you know, I'm not grieving, right. I'm being disloyal and I didn't love them enough. There's, there's so much in it. And I think we, we sometimes see it as an either or situation. Um, and that we can't, we can't do both. We, we can't grieve and find those moments of, of joy. We can, you know, and I think that that's such a beautiful reminder, isn't it? That, you know, you are allowed. It doesn't mean that you're no longer grieving. And I, th- I think that's where society gets a bit lost in it all, because if somebody's having fun, then they're not grieving. But that's not true. It's, it's, the, it's the duality of, of grief, isn't it? That those two opposing, contradictory emotions can live side by side. And it's not something that we're used to feeling within us. It's, it's usually one or the other, but you are allowed to do that. And I think it's only in the doing of it, giving yourself permission to have those moments of joy, of comfort, of peace, whatever it is, helps you to see that, okay, I have had that moment, but it didn't take anything away from me. It didn't minimize or diminish my, my love or my loss for my person in any way that was still there. And I think if we are able to allow ourselves to go and seek those moments and really feel that those two emotions can live side by side, it gives us the confidence to do it more. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I want to share something again, very personal here, but doing it with others that understand and support you, it's a lot easier. I spend so much time wondering how, you know, I would have a moment of happiness and joy. And at the same time, my brain would go, how can you be happy? You just lost somebody. Or how could you want to dance? You just lost somebody. And that creates such, I call it energy leaks, because ultimately it's depriving you from the moment of joy. It doesn't add anything to your grieving. And oh my God, you know, if somebody just said to me at the time, doesn't matter. Of course, you're here to experience moment of you want to dance and, and your body might want to laugh. And, you know, as opposed to really wondering what's wrong with me, why am I having this moment? Yeah. So I'm so glad yeah. you touched about it. And for me, it was definitely, I spent a lot of physical time wondering how could I be happy in this yeah. occasion or yeah. what people are going to think, even if I want to go and, I don't know, book a theater while I'm supposed yeah. to be home and grieving and, and please, yeah. please disregard everything. <laughs> I know. Good. It's so true, isn't it? Because, you know, Simon died in the, in the September and I remember it was late October. 
October, early November, I can't remember exactly, but a, a group of us all went to the, the races and we had a really good day. We had a really good day and I was quite taken aback by how much I'd actually enjoyed myself. Um, and, and then of course you go home and you beat yourself up about it and you're like, oh God, I'm getting this all wrong and everyone's going to think I'm awful. Yeah. And y- you know, it's like you say, it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to your grief to do that. It, it doesn't serve you in any way. It just takes away those those moments where you get a little bit of respite from the darkness. And I always think, do you know what? If you get, if you get those, grab them with both hands because it doesn't last forever. Yeah. And I think sometimes there's the fear, isn't there? If I, oh, if I allow myself to be happy, that's it. My grief is done, but your grief is never done. Like you, you are allowed those, those moments within it. And I, and I love what you said there, Alex, actually, is finding people that you can allow yourself to be happy with without that fear of judgment. And, and that's what I love about um, a lot of my events, especially my in-person events. Um, we've just done one, the, the Widow's Choir, and I've got the Christmas gathering coming up. And we always have a day where we do something. We have workshops and, and creative exercises, all that kind of thing. And then I love to have like a social fun dinner at the end of the day, because what I've noticed is that when I bring widows together, when, you know, you finish the, the the day's events and what have you, done everything that you're there to do and, and you go to the bar and you have a drink, people are laughing. Mm. They are laughing and without feeling like they have to to hide it as well. It's, it's that place of safety and comfort where you kind of go, I can enjoy myself. I can say these things without worrying that you're all thinking that I'm doing it wrong and I'm a bad widow because I know you all get it. We're all sat here laughing and and having fun. And some of the humor is quite dark around it. Um, but you feel safe and and you don't feel judged in, in that space. So I think, yeah, you're right to, to be able to find people again on a, on a similar journey is, is really quite yes. empowering, isn't it? It's that permission piece for yes, us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you do now. I know it's so far removed from <laughs> what you used to do in the corporate world and you've touched a little bit on your journey and sort of, well, you tell us, Alex, you tell us what you do now and, and how you've got here. Well, literally reinvented myself and discovering new new talents, new passions and how to put them together. So I mentioned a very strong psychic vision, very strong healing. And I thought maybe I can help other widows and widowers. And then I discovered this is not for me. <laughs> and so again, what, what do you do when you've got your talents, your skills? And I tried different things, but identified there was a little bit of a gap between the the wealth creation part. I studied finance, economics, money, and the spiritual world, which is all about the unicorns, the fairies, the dragons, and all the mystical thing. But when you want to set up your own business and you are in that world of being spiritual and helping others, I felt it was for many entrepreneurs very uncomfortable to ask for money for their talents and skills. And also maybe they didn't know how to ask for money, how to put their service out there. How do you charge when you are a Reiki therapist or how do you charge when you want to offer coaching, deep healing and things like that? And so now I put them together. I train as a business coach, I train as a healer, I train in many modalities and so that people can come to me and say, well, you know, I am in the corporate world or I just left the corporate world and I have this massive passion for creating my own business. I don't know how to do it. 
or I don't have the confidence. I don't know how to charge. I don't know how people are going to see me. I don't know. I don't know. I feel I'm not good enough. And then I'm truly can support them because that's, that's what I had to figure out for myself. And like I said, I would have loved it. Somebody showed up in my world at that time and said, Alex, you know, you're not really cut off for the investment banking, but you're amazing at healing and holding space for people. It would have taken a lot of the guest, guesswork out of the kitchen. <laughs> so uh, I'm here to support others to take the guesswork out and to say, okay, how do we get you into the world safely, confidently, so you can make your own impact? Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. And I and I love there's so much out there, isn't there, that we just don't know anything about. Like I would never have known that was a, a thing. Um, because I've never been in, in that world, I suppose, or, or looked for it. But I think that's what's lovely, I isn't it, about following your inner wisdom, I suppose, and allowing it to guide you and listening to it because you may not know where it's taking you. Like I had no idea that this is where I was coming to. Do, do you know? And I don't, I, you know, and I, I know there's still more to come. I know there is. Um, I, I haven't kind of reached the top of the mountain. Um, but it's, it's just taking the next step each time, isn't it? And when you tune into that inner wisdom, I suppose, that inner knowing, and you, allow it to guide you. It it takes you on a path that you may not necessarily have thought you were going to go down, but you allow yourself to, to trust in that process. Much like you said there, you know, you thought maybe you'd help widows and widowers, but actually that, that didn't feel right. So you, you kind of kept going until you found what did. But I know it's not easy to do. It hasn't been easy for, for me to do. I'm sure it hasn't been easy for you to do but it's been so worth it. It has been so worth it from, from my point of view, and I'm, I'm sure from yours as well. Um, but it all starts with that first step, doesn't it? That very first step of, of just slowing down, I think, and thinking about you and, and who you are. Absolutely. Really think having, I always say having the courage to find out who you are and having the, I call it, be rebellious, but really to say, this is what I was. I was in a box. Many, many people were in boxes for sure because of the conditioning. I found very few people that straight from the beginning of their working life or career said, oh, this is what I am and this is what I want to do. And boom, they got there. So I think it's coming out of the box, your culture, your religion, whatever that is. And to say, okay, you know, who am I outside the box? And am I willing to question? Because you need to be willing to question yourself each and every step of the way. And to listen again to the answers that are given to you, to the, I had amazing things happen in my life, but I had to recognize it. And also when you ask a question, you need to be in tune in how the answer is coming to you. So in a lot of Again, my world, when people say, I've got a business, I want to get more clients and make more income, the answer, I am their answer. I first have to invest <laughs> in getting, spending the money to get a tutor and a mentor, and then they can get more clients in and more money for the business. It's not necessarily, oh, I want more clients and you know, you get the money in your bank account. There's often a step in between. And for me, it's 
okay, how do I create my own business? What kind of business? I trained. I, I invested money in training. I invested money in mentors. I invested money in coaching so that I could... It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to create my business, give me the money. There are steps in between. And this is where the courage comes in because many people don't have the courage. Many people don't have the courage to invest in themselves. Many people don't have the courage to learn something new. Many people say, I can't be bored. I'm too old. I'm not going to learn a new skill. Well, then your choices Mm. are limited, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I think one of the best decisions I ever made in, in my journey was investing in me was when I first, you know, it was about two and a half years after Simon died and I got myself a coach didn't know what a coach was, had never had one before. It felt a bit weird, but I just thought, you know, let's give it a go. Let's, let's see what's on the the other side of of this decision. And it was an amazing life-changing decision. And ever since I have always had some kind of coach, whether that's personal or business, um, I always have some kind of coach or, or mentor alongside me. Um, because I think that's, that is how we, we learn and grow, best and and when we try and do it all by ourselves we just get lost we get caught up in in so much in our own heads so I think you're right I know it's not always possible for people to to do that from a financial standpoint um and 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 that can be challenging however there is so much out there for free now you you know YouTube um secondhand books in in charity bookshops, podcasts, you know, there's so much in this podcast alone, let alone all the other incredible podcasts out there that you can take information from and use it for sure. Um, I think it's, it's always easier to have somebody by your side, but if that's not possible for you, I think that there's so much out there for free. There really is so much out there for free um, that that we could all learn a lot from. But you've again, you've got to put those things into practice, haven't you? Knowing and doing are two very different things. And I think we often find we all know a lot, but we don't do a lot. So just for those, you've, I mean, you've shared so much, Alex, you've, you really have. And, and, and I'm sure you have so much more to share because you have been on such a journey and where you are now is, is incredible. But what would you say, do you think, to, to those that are feeling lost and, and unsure as to where they're going in their journey and, and how to take those steps forward? Do you have any sort of words of, of wisdom as to what they could just, just do? for themselves maybe to help them take that first step few things possibly one keep listening to this podcast because again like karen said you've got lots of nuggets from this podcast reach out at any point in time if you're feeling really low even if it's your gp and say hey here i'm feeling not good don't keep it for yourself and when you're feeling lost i feel the best thing you can do for yourself is to find things about you that you really like. I forget about what people say about you, forget what you should have done, shouldn't have done, anything, and just focus on simple things. What am I really proud of myself for? I'm really proud I woke up this day. I'm really proud, I don't know, took the kids to school. I'm really proud I can spend three minutes thinking about myself. I'm really proud I can do a breathwork exercise. And praise yourself, praise yourself, look at yourself in the mirror. There's a beautiful, beautiful exercise from Louise A. For those of you that are familiar with Louise A. and A House, just look at your mirror and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. 
and bring that love for yourself. It's free. <laughs> it's not time consuming and know that you're worth it. And there's many things probably that you don't see about yourself now that are just waiting to be unleashed and revealed for you to, as they conquer the world. I love that. I think that's it's a, it's a lovely way to end a lovely conversation, actually, just to remind ourselves that self-compassion, that self-love is at, at the heart of, of everything that we do. And we have got to learn to, to love ourselves, this, this new version of ourselves, which can be difficult because I think we have to grieve the person that we were. We, you know, we, we miss that person, but also accept us for who we are and who we're becoming in, in this moment and give that person unconditional love and support and acceptance. And I think it makes everything else feel easier to do for sure. When you're coming from a place of of love and compassion, rather than from a place of of criticism and and judgment, that, that, that never really works out very well, does it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And know that you're safe. You're safe here. Yeah. Yeah. I love. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for, for coming and sharing your journey with us, your reinvention of, of your own life. You know, I know it's hard to sum it up in (laughs) 50 minutes on a podcast. It's, it's been over seven years and like you say, you're still on that, that journey and it continues and it's not always easy. It's not always easy but it's possible, I think, is, is the point, isn't it? It's possible to create something that can feel beautiful again after loss and and everybody can do it in, in their own way, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. Lots of love. Thank you so much for listening to The Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, Come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast.